Broken Lamp Chimney by Arthur Burke From Weird Tales, February 1925 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Dale Grothman Broken Lamp Chimney by Arthur Burke Andrea had appealed to many men in the heyday of her youth. More than one man had dishonored his family name and proved faithless to some better woman for Andrea. It would have been difficult for anyone to tell just why this should be. Looking at her, one would be hard put to it to understand wherein lay her appeal to the male of the species. Yet history shows that through her many an otherwise good man had become outcast because of a careless smile from her thick lips. She was once a president's favorite. She once fled from a good husband and journeyed across the Dominican Republic to hold high carnival with a simple chauffeur. She was a strange mixture of Amazon, Cro-Magnon, Circe, and Lucretia Borgia. No magazine would ever have dared publish the details of her long line of conquests. She died with her back against a stone wall and her face toward a negro firing squad. She was forty years of age, the mother of a demented son, the wife of a good man whose name she had borne for twenty-two years, and the mistress of a black gavillero. The latter faced the firing squad before her, and she, knowing that her turn was coming within a brace of seconds, calmly asked the corporal of the firing squad for a cigarette. She lighted it without a tremor in her huge hands, drew the smoke deep into her lungs, flicked away the bit of ash, and said, Pfft! Lolo was afraid to die, and to think that I am to face a firing squad for the sake of vermin like that. Are you ready, corporal? Aren't you coming to bed, Andrea? It was the petulant voice of Pedro Andahar. The bed springs creaked dismally as Pedro turned his face impatiently toward the wall. He never had understood this fiery woman he had taken to wife. In a moment, perhaps, Pedro, answered Andrea in honeyed tones. Hearing those tones and not seeing the woman, one would instinctively have visioned a woman built on the plan of a Lady Godiva. He would never have thought of a woman shaped like a stuffed mattress, hands large and red from much labor, stringy hair, and dirty dress. And if he had looked into her eyes before noticing her body, he would never have noticed the body at all. For Andrea's eyes were the curse that the devil had placed upon her at her birth. Pedro put her from his mind and composed himself for sleep. In this instance, the final sleep for Pedro. Finally, from the bedroom which the hut boasted came the gentle snores of Pedro. Softly, lest the creaking rocking chair give away her movements, Andrea rose to her feet and walked to the closed door. Her feet made no sound as she walked. She was like a great cat moving swiftly and silently. 
Could the man outside who awaited her signal have seen her eyes as she glided forward? No one would have blamed him had he turned and plunged into the depths of the jungle that began a hundred yards or so in the rear of the house. Those eyes were the eyes of a basilith, or of a snake, cold as starlight, glittering. What Lolo saw was the eyes of his loved one, between whom and himself was naught but the gentle Pedro who slept in the darkened bedroom beyond the half-closed door. He would have taken the woman in his arms, but she motioned him back with an imperious gesture. For just an instant Lolo caught the glimpse of the fiend that lurked behind the eyes of Andrea. Then the fiend slunk away as Andrea smiled at her paramour. Lolo stood with his back against the wall. His eyes questioned the woman, proof positive that these two understood each other. She looked at Lolo's belt, and there was contempt in her expression when she noticed that he carried neither machete nor knife. He spread his hands wide in the expressive gesture of the Latin, that gesture which says plainly, well, I forgot it. What is there to be done about the matter? Andrea looked swiftly about her. Lolo might lose his courage at any moment, might desire with all his heart to be well out of the whole affair. Not so Andrea. What she planned she carried out, regardless of the consequences. She looked about the hut for a weapon. Her glance came to rest on the glass chimney of the lamp that rested on the single table of the hut. Her eyes narrowed speculatively as she studied the lamp. The top of the chimney had been broken off, leaving a ragged and serrated edge. Andrea moved a step forward, hand outstretched. The black face of Lolo became a muddy gray as he grasped the inkling of her purpose. He raised his hand above his eyes saying in that wordless language with which these two rogues of necessity conversed with each other my god andrea not that not that andrea moved toward lolo she stood facing him her eyes boring into his charming him as if she had been a snake in sober fact and he a helpless sparrow under her contempt the bone in lolo's spine stiffened his lips became a straight line as he answered her silent challenge. He nodded his head grimly. Then the two sprang into action, swift action led by Andrea because she wished her will to be carried out before Lolo could weaken again. Andrea seized the chimney and plunged it into an earthen water urn beside the door. It cooled instantly while the jagged edge cracked again. It was a sinister weapon. Andrea held the broken chimney as she motioned Lolo toward the door of the bedroom. She was right on his heels as he leapt through the door. He hesitated for a single instant. Andrea seized his arm with her free hand, and he winced under her fierce clutch. He saw her face in the flickering light from the swaying flame of the lamp in the other room, and to him the flame reflected in her eyes was the flame from the pit itself. But under the lash of her glance he acted. 
he seized the head of the luckless Pedro with his left hand. With his right, he drove a terrific blow to the jaw of the stupefied man. With a sigh, Pedro relaxed. Then Andrea became a hellcat in very truth. She leapt upon the chest of her husband and slashed with the broken chimney. Lolo watched her for a moment. He could stand no more. He fled from the room and from the house and stood outside against the wall, panting like a spent runner and wiping the cold sweat from his black forehead. He wanted to run, run, run. But the night was suddenly peopled with grotesque and terrible shadows. He could neither run nor stay. Just what he would have done in another moment no one can say. Andrea came to the doorway and spoke calmly in his ears. What are you running for? Our work is done, most of it. We have the remainder of the night in which to complete it. Lolo, walking in a daze, followed this throwback to the Borgias back into the charnel house and stepped across the threshold into the fatal chamber. He noticed that the lamp no longer flickered. The glow shone strangely through the crimsoned chimney that Andrea had returned to its proper place. They too picked up in the bedclothes all that was mortal of Pedro, a crimson and many-pieced mass. Hurriedly, Lolo folded the clothing over to hide the horror from his own gaze. Andrea was as calm as if nothing at all had happened. They moved out of the hut and into its rear. A pit was dug beside the Andrahar cistern. In a few minutes there was nothing to show what had happened but a plot of fresh earth which was even now being smoothed out by the broad feet of Andrea. The house was darkened and Andrea walked away into the night with Lolo. The frightened and bemuddled native who faced the colored police lieutenant knew that something dreadful had happened. I tell you, lieutenant, he said, all is not well at the house of Pedro Andohar. There is a strange odor about the place, and Andrea has, for the past five days, has been living openly in the house of Lolo, the Gavallero. There should be an investigation. The lieutenant turned to the private of police who was listening to every word, with his mouth wide open as if he would have the words fly into it. Take two other men, no, five other men, with you, and go to the house of Lolo. Arrest Andrea and the black man, and bring them to the house of Pedro, where I shall await your coming. The private saluted and hurried away. The lieutenant and his informant stepped out of the Oficina de Policia and hurried to the house of Pedro Andahar. Word had already gotten about, and the crowd that had gathered beside the fatal hut was constantly augmented by additions from other houses nearby. The lieutenant sniffed the air, and his face became gray. He had been in more than one revolution and knew the odor of death. "'What do you want of me, lieutenant?' asked a calm voice behind him. He looked around, and Andrea Andujar was smiling in his face. "'Where is your husband?' demanded the lieutenant. 
His voice was shaking as if he had been suffering from an augur. Calmly, Andrea smiled again and shook her head. My God, I'll tell. She did it. She made me help her. And Lolo, all self-control gone from him because of five nights during which he had seen the darkness filled with crimson shadows, broke away from his captors and hurried to the rear of the hut. He fell upon his knees beside a square of fresh earth and began to dig furiously with his bare hands. Some of the crowd, sickened, gave back from the crazed black. Others, more curious, stepped closer, breath shortened. In five minutes the horror was disclosed. Andrea refused the mask when she turned to face the firing squad. She was the first woman within memory of Santa Domingo to be sentenced to death. In all the crowd of two thousand people massed behind the firing squad, there was not a single expression of sympathy. Andrea had confessed, sparing no single detail of the terrible night in the hut. She seemed to gloat over the horror that she saw in the faces of her listeners. The story had spread like wildfire, and people looked at her as they would have gazed at some terrible monster brought to life from the age of stone. When asked if she had anything to say, she waved the priest contemptuously aside and said, Hell no! Let's get the fiesta over with! The corporal of the firing squad raised his hand. Make ready! Andrea placed her closed fists upon her hips and smiled. At the heart, take aim! Andrea smiled. Fire! Andrea, still smiling, deliberately began to walk toward the firing squad. The eight Negroes, only two of whom had fired blanks, broke and fled as they saw this terrible, smiling creature advancing toward them, a great crimson stain on her waist above her heart. Andrea laughed in derision as she fell upon her face and rolled over on her back. The police lieutenant ran forward and gave her the shot of mercy. The doctor knelt at her side, cut away her clothing, and examined her wounds. The six bullet holes could have been covered with the palm of a little woman's hand. The spectators crowded around to see. The doctor was the closest of them all, but for a moment he did not notice that which the crowd noticed at once, and which caused them to gasp in horror and amazement. Then he too noticed, and his face became as gray as ashes. For those six bullet wounds had, guided by a strange freak of chance, formed a curious pattern above the heart of the murderess. The pattern made one think at once of a tiny lamp chimney. The End of Broken Lamp Chimney by Arthur Burke